Okay. Okay. It's recording now. Great. Why don't you share to me some of the things that you're thinking about, some of the issues, some of the, the points that you're trying to like just wrestle with in terms of trading and investing? Um, uh, let me think about where to start. So I've gone through uh, multiple styles of trading and investing. And I think the biggest issue was, well, at the start, my biggest issue was uh, choosing the right asset class, right instrument, um, the t time frame according to my uh, work-life balance, right. and, um, and then trying to find my edge. So there was a lot of experimentation around that. Um, and I, I was working in, I, I am working in uh, the stock, uh, related to stock market, like in broking. So I wanted to somehow translate that into the ASX in terms of stocks. But what I saw was that ASX stocks barely, on average, barely have a range of 20 cents, uh, let alone 50 cents or a dollar right. uh, on a daily basis. Okay. So then I, that's when uh, I was doing, after reading your book, I was analyzing all the stocks on the ASX and I, I saw that, okay, it's not going to work here on, uh, on the ASX. So that's when I had been that idea. But now uh, after a few years, um, having tried, uh, trialed and error different styles, like um, uh, I'm in part of a chat room where there's uh, some professional traders there who are, you know, scalping out a couple of cents on different stocks. Okay. Um, and then I, I, I think the other, and, and I found it quite difficult to monitor all the different stocks and try to scalp it into yeah. style. So then I, I thought about uh, rereading your book and maybe expanding my time frame to a weekly basis. Okay. And I think there might be something there, which I'm currently, uh, trialing with and practicing with. And okay. Very recent. I just started that maybe like a week ago. Great. Great. Okay, yeah, let's, let's stop there. That's basically like a handful, um, according to what you said. So let, let me address some of the, the, the issues, like the major issues here, and then try to then get into some of the particular details as it relates to some of the inquiries and questions that you asked me. So yes. first and foremost is, as you, you mentioned here, is the chat group thing, is not an edge, right? It's something mm. that I deal with all the time. Uh, I, I spend a lot of time in like looking at emerging markets, frontier markets, and some of these markets are heavily driven by rumors. The whole issue, and one of the biggest issues of our time is the quality of ideas. So hypothetically, if some guy is giving you like this great scalp wreck, for example, mm. it might be great and you might have like this amazing edge but then that next recommendation that he provides you, there's no guarantee that the quality of that idea is gonna be on par with the previous idea that he provided for you. Hmm. Do you see what I mean? Monitor. I think, yeah. Exactly, that is so, now for example, and remember, more than likely, he might not even share to you his technique and his approach. So, what you might be like, for example, a lot of people listen to the news, they watch things like CNBC, they follow 
a bunch of people, some people just try to like follow behind like what Warren Buffett is doing as well. <laughs> and ultimately, this is not going to be a sustainable and scalable approach because there's no guarantee that you're going to put all your assets in that one idea. Do, do you know what I mean? And yeah. therefore, imagine if you had to do it a few more times and there's no guarantee about the scale of the idea, like, you know, the scalability of recommendations, then that's where you're going to get yourself into big, big, big trouble. So I, mm. I, I just wanted to address that, that part first and foremost. Mm. Um, are, are you satisfied just kind of like with, with, and I think that's why you had this inner calling towards looking at what I'm saying. And then secondly, you also said something that was key there too, is that you get a sense that it kind of works. And, and not only do you get a sense that it kind of works, but it, it works without being dependent on others, if you notice. Like yes. I'm not saying you're doing it flawlessly, but you're, you're sensing that there's something there. There's something- Yes, absolutely. That, exactly. There's something of substance um, and you don't need to be dependent on anyone. And primarily that was one of the reasons why I worked on that book like decades ago, basically, <laughs> in, because I needed to, to make it simple. Unfortunately, things are not that simple, right? But I try to make it as simple as possible. So now let's talk about um, the various different ranges that you discussed about. And I'm going to share with you as of late how I've been doing it. And, and I, I also want to say something is that you mentioned this, is that there's a lot of nuance and open-endedness towards my approach because I didn't want to tell you explicitly what to do because I felt like by demonstrating tactical edges that someone that really thought about it deeply would be able to create their own combination. And what, what I actually had hoped for were that people would create their own combinations and then perhaps develop and advance our understanding towards this approach. Unfortunately, sorry, though- Sorry, advance our understanding of, I missed that. Of this approach. Okay. And, and what, do, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that, think about it like this, say something works only 10% of the time. We need to understand that as also meaning that it's wrong 90% of the time. And therefore, if it's wrong 90% of the time, perhaps that means I should short. Do, do, you, do you get what I'm trying to say? So imagine any statistic can be used in a positive or you could also use it in a negative. What I mean by positive, let's say is long and let's say a negative could mean short. But remember, if the overwhelming edge presents that your long idea, there's a 90% chance that your long idea is gonna fail, that also implies that it means it can work on the short end of the side. And that, hence why I left everything extremely open-ended because as you demonstrated, not all markets are the same. Not all asset classes are the same. 
So you're going to mm -hmm. have to take various different bits and pieces and make it work for your edge. Okay, so mm -hmm. that, that was like kind of like more like general point number two. Mm -hmm. Now let's get a little bit more detailed as it relates to ASX. So your key thing with ASX was, for example, basically low volatility. That's, that's kind of like what you're saying in terms of like the trading ranges. And actually, the good news is that that's been a feature of the market for the last, let's say, over a decade, right? Because mm. of all the quantitative easing and stimulus that's happened, um, that's why people have been jumping into riskier assets as you have tighter trading ranges. So to address your question is this, is not only do we want to have tactical trading advantages, I think the key thing here ultimately is also to, and I don't know if I kind of discussed that fully in the book, but the idea would be that not only am I going to try to give you some tactical advantages, I want to give you the ability to get like the 10 bagging. And you're, you might say to me like, wait, how can this happen? We're talking about scalping here. But oh, yeah. intraday. <laughs> intraday, exactly, exactly. But, but here's, here's, here's the philosophical part to this. And, and there's a lot of relevance to it. What I want to do with you is to be able to think about an intraday position that we really like that develops into a weekly position that we really like that then starts to, let's use some of the terminology of the book, starts to develop into more positive ranges even within the month. Mm. and then transitions to more positive ranges within the quarter and then starts to demonstrate positivity and breakouts on an annual basis mm. and then starts to escalate you into the realm of all-time highs. Because mm. arguably I could say that like last year was the peak and then basically if you can surpass last year, which is the, the index that I've been following is NASDAQ, by the way. And therefore, yeah. that's why it's able to um, accelerate, even in um, arguably the toughest tape you could possibly have, to all-time highs. And, and the great news about that is that that happened within durations of weeks, as opposed to waiting multiple years. That requires a little bit of volatility, and that's ultimately that, what we got. But, but that's what... I think is, is going to be the real gem. And, and the point about that is that the edges that I'm discussing to you about will work on all different time frames. That's how you know the approach has scalability and has significance and, and is more connected to price action and the auction market than anything else. Because basically, uh, a MACD, a moving average, you're going to need to adjust it for every time frame to get it to tell you what you need it to tell you. And that's mm. perfect. So that, and, and it lags price, right? I'm strictly talking about 
probabilities and statistics as it relates to every single time frame. So, 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 so the objective would be this, is not only are we gonna be able to scalp, and we're gonna have to redefine what that means as it relates to your market, but then number two is that we gotta think about that real opportunity of a 10-bagger in which making um, a great trade turns into a great investment without having to do anything. And what I mean by that is without spending all the commission and without having to baby the position as you would do on an intraday trade. Mm. So, so what I mean by that is ultimately a stock, an index, a commodity just continues to break out and then you're just sitting and just looking at it achieve all-time highs knowing that it's broken past every single uh, way in which you've managed the position from an intraday all the way to weekly all the way to let's say we can break it down even more to like a bi-weekly all the way up to a monthly all the way up to the annual or quarterly then to the annual and then within the whole realm of the stock itself so so in the case of 2020 i've been thinking about markets in that realm i've been thinking wow mm. like you know if you can get in a position you're getting like basically in in late march you got basically a 20 30 percent discount in the market right and then you have these objectives in which you caught basically a historical bottom and then you're able to now achieve all-time highs all within a very short duration and the broker is not making that much money from you so you're, you're you know what i mean let's say you're using um a, a discount brokerage firm you're spending like two bucks round trip or a few bucks round trip great and now i got the positions and now I'm talking like I'm Warren Buffett in terms of holding these positions, but still using the same principles that I'm using as opposed to talking about the underlying fundamentals. I understand the underlying fundamentals of the business, but I know that price is what's truly reflective of my real unrealized capital gain or my realized capital gain or loss. So I, th I think it was important to share that to you, it, to make things easier on you, because if something's working, there's no point in getting in and out, getting in and out of it all the time. And you might as well just let the market run its course in your favor. Once it just breaks out of all your ranges in the positive, hopefully, right? And then <laughs> therefore you're just chilling and you're, you're watching it do all the work for you. That, I think that's the different, like, you know, there's an element of management and self-employment when you're babying these positions. But once they great, become great trades that could develop into investments, mm. uh, that's when it's doing the work for you more than you're doing the work for it. And ultimately, mm. that's utopia. Would you be uh, adding into pullbacks then? Or... Absolutely, absolutely. So that that's a great that's the whole great point is that I'm I'm adding a pullbacks. I'm um, you know using the same principles, by the way, to add into them. Maybe I'm looking at reversal opportunities, breakout opportunities, mm -hmm. 
um, adding to the position. But then, then remember though, the key thing is your stop loss and your stop loss needs to be reflective towards your objective. So, so for example, like if you're telling me, cause I think when I read what you were saying, um, you had indicated like to me about like, for example, I think that was one of the key questions was what were your objectives? Your objectives are obviously to make a capital gain. I, I wasn't sure about like, what are you satisfied with? Are you satisfied with what happens in intraday? Are you satisfied with what happens on a weekly basis? Or ultimately, do you just want to make money? <laughs> Basically, I think, tell, share to me that. What, what do you think about that in terms of like, what are your objectives? Yeah, so in, in the document, I outlined my goals was um, basically to first reach stage one, which is to break even and cut yeah. all my trading related expenses and commissions. Okay. From there, um, have a process where I can consistently uh, generate uh, an income on a right. or, or quarterly basis. Obviously, there will be losses, I understand that. But sure. I hope that it can. Uh, be a secondary income and then from there I hope to scale up and okay eventually go full-time and um, try other products to expand my um, expand my opportunity base oh, okay great great yeah so in this case the thing that's kept my sanity basically especially this year and I refer to this year a lot because it's it's again one of the toughest tapes ever but honestly I, I'd share this is that um, I mean, you can see it on my Twitter feed if you have access to that. I, I haven't really found that much difficulty in this tape. And, and the reason why is, is coming to accept the things in which I probably will suggest to you, which is basically capturing some of these positions that you ultimately can develop into the long term, be able to trade around those positions, okay? So you're starting to build um, your, your capital gain situation and then being able to do your intraday or like, you know, what I mean by intraday is like, you know, short-term, shorter-term duration trades and scalps uh, when the edges are that much more fantastic. And then potentially using things like derivatives to capture some additional income around the positions that you manage to baby successfully. Like basically think about it like raising a child, right? You're gonna be really intricate about how you get into the position. It's gonna um, give you a little bit of um, work to do and homework to do prior to getting in the position, observing and maybe trading and maybe taking stop losses um, for the first, let's say week or two. But then if it starts to go your way, then things become much more relaxed relative to where we're at in terms of their corporate calendar, such as earnings and things like that. Mm. So, but then as you get into all of these certain catalysts and events, then there's going to be trading opportunities around it. So that what, what will happen with your portfolio is that you'll start to get some gains and then your, your I guess your buying power, let's use that term in terms of your account hopefully it will start to expand. And as a byproduct of that, then it's going to start to instill ad additional more confidence in you. And then it's also going to allow you to not feel the pressure of having to trade every single second, even though the edge is not as fantastic as it should be. It's not to say that you will do it. You will do it. 
but you're kind of like splitting your portfolio into two parts where you, you're getting all your winners and you're loving it and there's going to be way more easy money-making opportunities once you have a few of those winners, such as again, like trading around it or collecting income based on those positions, okay? So mm-hmm. that's, that's going to be um, really nice for you. It's going to improve your state psychologically and then you're going to be able to trade and you're going to scout. And we, we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about some more phenomenon that happens in the market that wasn't highlighted in the book. But basically, again, realizing certain edges by looking at the probabilities and statistics. So I think that that will, at least for me, that helped my sanity. And I think that that will help you a lot too. So I'm sure there's been something that you've traded and then ultimately the next day or two, you've seen it go up, you know, let's say in reference to an index, like a few hundred points. And then you're like, wow, like imagine if I kept that, I'd already be mm. up big, right? And, mm. and the whole objective is like, how do we get there? Because once you create that buffer, um, it, it's, it's easier it's to have a wider stop loss. It's easier to have a wider stop loss, yes. Um, and then it, it, it's going to do the work for you. Again, like hopefully you then captured this, let's say, quarterly or annual trends. And then it's gravy, right? So mm-hmm. and, and that's what I've experienced uh, pre-2020 and then also post-2020. It's like you don't need a lot of them, but then basically – they're going to be really beautiful for you. And then you're going to trade. And it's, and, and, and then once we talk more in detail about like the intraday trading, um, you know, we can get really fancy with this. Like for example, the last major one that I did was basically calling the close. Um, and I was off by like, um, what, like 14 cents. On, calling on the close, what's that? Basically, no, I, okay, here, if you're going to intraday trade, I think you need to be able to pin what certain prices, what prices it will touch during that day. I, 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 know, I know that that sounds obvious. Like, obviously, you want to be able to get your <laughs> targets and stuff like that. But yeah. I, I think you need to be able to do that with rigor and confidence if you're going to intraday trade. I, I genuinely believe that. Um, and what I mean by that is, I think it was about a week ago, um, within two or three hours of the NASDAQ ETF close, uh, so 4 p.m. Eastern time, I was able to basically call the close and I was off by about like 14 cents. So the NASDAQ ETF is about 200, like let's say 250 bucks or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you have like the few cents after. Um, you, you better be able to get at least the first three digits right uh, on the <laughs> on an on a intraday close. Um, and then ideally you should have a really good feel for what the decimal points could look like in order to be able to really build on top of the edges that are highlighted in the book. So right. I just want, I wanted to share that. I, um, do you have any questions so far? And then we can talk a little bit more about intraday. Um, 
No, I mean, all of that sounds really good, you know, on paper and uh, on a, uh, in terms of a macro view. Uh, I mean, that's what I'd love to be able to do. But I mean, if from, so I've been trading for the last couple of years and yeah. I've been swing trading stocks relatively successfully, but it's only long only. And it's pretty easy to make money in a bull market long only. Um, yeah. But I've noticed that if you're able to do it intraday, you're able to put on more size, have tighter stops, and not take on overnight risk. Um, mm. So I, I don't know how that actually plays, what you're talking about actually plays out um, the way you're describing it. Okay, yeah, let, let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about that. That's sort of an intraday question, so let's, let's address this. Is, well, there's a lot of interesting phenomenon that's happened. So as far as this year is concerned, it's actually the after hours that have generated a majority of the gains within the U.S. indices. So it's basically Asian hours or Aussie hours um, mm -hmm. that have driven futures. I think it's the same with the ASX as well. A lot of the times where I've identified an edge, the market makers would gap up the stocks and then it would do nothing after that massive gap up. Bingo, bingo. So, so that's why, like, I think more than ever, um, the statement, well, the great thing is it, it, it identifies two things. It identifies the fact that maybe we need to be thinking about markets on a 24-hour basis. That would be first and foremost. Mm. But secondly is that, yes, that's what I meant, is that if you're, if you're looking at things in a longer duration, um, there's going to be a lot of easy money to be made. Um, because if you're stuck in the realm of the retail time, let's say 9.30 to 4 o'clock, or just, you know, atypical retail trading hours, mm. uh, I mean, there's only two ways to bypass that. The overnight risk, which you've highlighted, or um, being stuck with, with the gaps up or down, basically, which, which kind of hurts, actually, yeah. uh, if, if you think about it. So, so I mean, that, that's a more of a general point. As it relates to, as, as it relates to intraday, I, I think there's a few things here. I think that based on the fact that you're telling me about the ranges that you're seeing in the ASX, mm -hmm. it, it almost implies, because you've already, you've already said it, it wasn't even me that told you that. You've already said that you're looking at things in a duration of a week. Now, to me, when I think about a week, that sort of sounds like a swing trade to begin with. Am, is, that, is that a correct assessment yes. of what you're saying? So even if you don't want the overnight risk, based on the, there's, I, I'm dealing with um, a market that doesn't even allow you to intraday trade sometimes. And they only allow you to be, basically be able to officially experience settlement within like three days. So, so the whole point is that a guy that's trying to, intraday trade when the market doesn't allow you to do so then obviously you got to expand your range your time frame that is and therefore um i mean you need to take everything into account so so that that would be that would be the or you find something that works for you do you, you see what i mean like I, it sounds like I guess your your region allows you to basically invest or trade in anything that you want to, which then leads me to that question: Does it have to be ASX? I mean, it's the it's the only market that I'm very comfortable with, and it's uh, the time zone is pretty 
I'm, your time zone. Yeah, I mean, okay. living in Australia, trying to trade the US is next to impossible uh, because of time zone issues. Um, I've tried trading the DAX, the German index, but that's quite volatile. And um, there's a lot of issues in terms of futures trading platforms and data and, all, and brokers. There aren't many good brokers for futures trading in, in, uh, in Australia. Um, so, okay. Yeah, so I'm mostly comfortable with ASX stocks at the moment. Okay. So, yeah, let's, let's address a few things. Um, there's a lot that I needed to discuss with you about. You, you mentioned about volatility and basically um, you kind of said that, oh, it's easy to buy things in a bull market. And you're right about that. But, but I'll, I'm going to say something else. Um, high volatility historically means buy as well. So, so let, let me re, 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 restate that. It's easy to buy things in a bull market when everything's going up. You're right. But also high volatility implies that you should be buying as well. And the proof of that, a great proof of that is when the overall stock markets um, in March were at crazy high volatility. Mm. If you had bought, you'd be up. Same with oil, right? Oil is, was at all time highs for mm. volatility. If mm. you had bought, you'd be up. So, so I'd be very careful about that statement about uh, distinguishing the difference between, oh, it's easy to buy when everything's going up and everything's smooth. You're right about that. But markets have demonstrated that high volatility is also a buy. So I, 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 that, that is a key thing because historically markets go up. Right. I'm not going to yeah, say equity stocks, markets. Yeah. stocks go up. Yeah. I'm not going to say every stock goes up because uh, indices, they rebalance, but stock markets go up. Hence volatility, which quantifiably could be measured um, using some data points. And we could talk about that. Uh, you know, it, it's, I, I look at historical volatility because I can calculate that with my spreadsheet. Um, yeah. It demonstrates typically a buy, especially at all times. And that's, by the way, when the fear gauge, which is volatility, is at mm -hmm. its highest, right? You're buying when people are the most fearful. Yeah. That's, that sounds a little atypical, but, you know, it's effectively what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, so, so I think those are, those are key things here. It's like you're able, so long story short, I've been long throughout this whole year. Basically, I've been only long only. I felt like that was more of a challenge. And, you know, you're not guaranteed that, the market was going to bottom, let's say in March, but I just decided like long only. I felt like I wanted to make it that much more difficult for me. I don't know why, maybe I'm twisted like that, but I felt like if there were great companies that you could buy, there were two factors that were going on in my mind. Number one was that this is not a time to take risk. This is a time to buy great assets or trade great assets because they're moving like penny stocks would move. You don't have yeah. to buy near bankrupt companies like Hertz, or like all the other things that people are buying right now, you don't need to do that. You don't even really need to do Bitcoin because basically Forex would give you fantastic moves because um, you're already trading at bigger ranges than anything else. Uh, you could buy Scalp AXX, for example, 
instead of worrying at about like, you know, some smaller indice. And the proof of that is seen in how basically, like if you understand about what's happened in terms of Corona, you understand that it's the small guys, the SMEs um, that have been hurt the most. And if you understand about too big to fail, you'll understand that those things in the most volatile financial times since let's like, say the Great Depression would be the ones that you could trade, invest, and do well in. So, so I, I did notice that you identified a bank, um, ANZ, in terms of some of the things you're looking at. Um, hmm. That's probably the better asset classes to be even trading because long story short, I made 500% off of Boeing, right? The, basically the military industrial complex and aerospace companies uh, mm. uh, by the way, trading in, in, in U.S. time, even though I'm in Asia Pacific. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Without, without having, you know, it, it's opportunity costs, right? You, sometimes, sometimes you got to think about things and just go, okay, like, like, you know, I can spend my time trading like emerging markets or China, but it's not going to give me the same bang for my buck. If you notice, yeah. I'll, give you, I'll, I'll give you the point about that is it's always the United States that's actually going to lead the world in terms of the stock market. They, mm. they have the biggest form of uh, FOMO, fear of missing out, and they're actually the most susceptible. I, I, I think, I assume that Australia is more like Canada, which is where I'm from, which is they value real estate more than they do the stock market. They, they place less, less emphasis on the stock market, whereas the United States um, particularly when you have a president that's a cheerleader for the stock, <laughs> yeah. it is much more focused on it. So if that implies that I got to stay up a little bit more late to ensure that um, the investment or the trade that I'm going to make is headed towards one direction, um, that probably is the one that I'm more interested in because I, I observe that the less developed the country the more infrequent it is to make all-time highs and the, the less infrequent it is to make all-time highs, the more adverse that would be to a long-only strategy or even a long scalp strategy, irrespective, right? Intraday, if you want to break it down or mm -hmm. if you want to uh, talk about like, you know, weeks, months, duration, if, if it's not, if it's sideways, it's not the best. And mm. if it's uh, not going higher, um, it's not the best too. So I wanted to discuss about that as, as well. So, so when you say if, if it's going higher, it's not the best because volatility is shrinking as it's going higher? Or if it's not going higher, it's not the best oh. is what I said. Um, I think at the end of the day, you'll still end up doing better like with a clear direction in the market. Hence why you, you build these opening ranges, right? You're building the opening range, not so that it just touches the range and then shrinks, right? Like that's, you're not making that much money. I, I was experiencing, I'm experiencing and was experiencing that with gold. Uh, the litmus test that I've had for gold was like, hey, you got to break out of this range. Like mm. I'm, I'm in dead money here and you're struggling to, to break out, like I'm listening to all the news about what all the gold bugs are saying mm, and how people mm. like 5,000 bucks. I, I can't even get it to go out of like 1750 with conviction. That, that's, that's the predicament. And, and therefore, the good news is this, is you're not losing a lot of money, 
but you're also not making a lot of money and mm -hmm. therefore you're, an opportunity mean, cost. yeah it's an opportunity cost i mean that's the story about what happens when you go and and it's extreme for me to say that about gold but that's what happens when you go to lower tier assets um trying to look for big moves that historically don't really happen so so i think you need to be because one of the things as part of this 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 conversation is to isolate you know what product it is that you're going to be trading for example imagine if you're trading a particular product and it's going to like you know high after high after high on on a weekly basis so therefore it just is continuously shattering all your opening ranges it's making your mondays relative to your fridays look great mm -hmm. um so it, it helps a lot um therefore i i never i always think about um not to say that it's essential but i i am sharing because remember if if based on your predicament it sounds like asx doesn't give you the ranges that you need therefore you need to hold it at least during a weekly duration therefore mm. you're going to be affected by overnight news therefore you need to be aware of all the catalysts that are coming up throughout the calendar week of that week that you're looking into um obviously mm. you want to try to avoid that as much as possible but but in the instance where like you identify there's overnight risk, you sometimes you do need to take that into consideration, unfortunately. But you know, again, you could still use all the numbers, the statistics, uh, to be able to identify quantifiable averages. But hypothetically, if the Fed just says something bearish or or bullish, for example, it could change your course and either your stop lossing or or whatever so it's just always good to be aware about that and if if one had some intuition towards that ho it, hopefully what it will do is propel you towards the trajectory that you want to go with this this trade hmm. yeah yeah okay so let's let's discuss a little bit about like your your weekly ranges that you've been thinking about and and obviously Monday is a great day to start because it's ultimately the start of the week and we need some arbitrary start of the week. Um, I, I wanted to discuss this first by saying that an opening range doesn't necessarily have to be um, the start of the week. It could be in theory anything, right? It could be, um, the start of the hour, right? Yeah. It could be the start of the minute. It depends on the time range you're looking at. It could be, arguably, it could be Friday. And then you take into the weekend risk, and then it's like a Friday on Friday opening range. Hypothetically, if you're looking at a duration of, of a week, I, I think for you, what we need to do, and the great news is we can quantifiably break this down, is we need to think about what is the highest range relative to risk for you 
and based on what range in order for you to start to make that decision. Do you, do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? Uh, not, not really. Okay, let, let, me, let me repeat that. Yeah. You cannot just pick Monday as your opening range arbitrarily. You need to be mm -hmm. able to tell me that, um, let's say the 20 cents on average a day implies that the high of the week is going to be, let's say, 60 cents. Mm. And let's say, based on the 60 cent upside, as long as it breaks the, the 10 cents, I'm just saying cents, okay, or points, yeah. okay, 10 points, um, that that's a very interesting, let's say, range to reward. And then obviously we need to take into consideration the risk. Does that make more sense? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I kind of understand what you're saying. Um, so I, I think we're gonna have to have one more conversation obviously, but because I, I needed to, to share to you about the approach in order for you to get it, in order for us to calculate it. So, uh, sorry, I, I jumped in, you were saying? Uh, you know, all good. Um, I, what I understand uh, from what you're saying is that you can't just assume that the stock would hit its, um, uh, once it breaks out of its Monday's opening range, that it's going to hit, um, it's, uh, uh, it's going to continue in that trend and continue to hit its open to high range uh, um, just because it's outside of the opening range of the Monday because you have opening ranges on Tuesday and Wednesday that probably uh, affected. And uh, I guess there's index movements and overnight risk that also kind of affected. Uh, yeah, sort of. I, I think you're making it harder than, than what I mean. I think that what we'll be able to do is we're going to be able to calculate. I don't know if it was identified in the book. Uh, and if not, that that's perhaps a, a later enhancement, just thinking about it um, after. But mm. what we're, we're gonna do is we need to calculate what is basically the probability that um, let's say the ASX is going to be able to achieve a high, a weekly high, let's say, mm. of, of 60 points based on its ability to get up to let's say 10 points on Monday. And I will be able to calculate that. And then once, if we like the probability, if we like the fact that it's gonna be 80%, um, that's what you call number one an edge. But number two is then we're gonna be able to really deep dive and develop onto that position, okay? And then um, we're gonna develop opening ranges for every day understand what the probabilities of it achieving the high is, um, and then think about that as it relates to the week, and then understand, this is in the, in the book, but I'll share it. Hmm. Understand that Friday sounds like a close, right? When we say, because you're using your, in your example of Monday to Friday, Friday sounds like a close. Mm. And that's true if you're, you're thinking about that duration. But I now have deeper understanding about closes than I did before. 
And what I mean by that is that, you know, intuitively, you're thinking that Monday is going to be the low, and you're thinking that on Friday afternoon, you're going to get the high. Yeah, but that's not the case. In fact, let me tell you something. There is only a 20% chance that it will close at the high. Well, I, I, the way I thought about it is that it'll make a new high and that's when the statistic is over. It gets exhausted. So it's done its thing and it might close lower. It might even close at its uh, below Thursday's low. But as long as it makes a new high, that's when the statistics are valid. Oh, so you mean irrespective of the day? Yeah, so let's say, and I've seen it with a few stocks, is that um, uh, they'll, they'll, they won't gap. They'll just open, the, they'll have an opening drive in, in one direction, make a new high or a low, and it yeah. kind of validates the Monday, Friday um, high-low statistic. And then yeah. it just does something that's completely random from there. Or yeah, I, th I think we, what we need to do is this, is get a little bit more uh, statistical about it. I, 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 long story short, I suspect that if you buy on Monday, more than likely you're closing on either like a Thursday or Wednesday. And sometimes you're closing, remember, we're talking about the high, sorry. If you buy on Monday, more than likely your high will probably happen on the Thursday or Wednesday. Ironically, we can test that too. Mm. But more importantly is that, or maybe it will make the high on Friday intraday or something like that. Uh, yeah. Less likely that it will close at the high on Friday evening your time. Um, yeah, the, I haven't seen the, that. Exactly. That's going to help us isolate and narrow down the ranges even more. So hypothetically, let's say it's Monday opening range, and then you're like, oh, there's a high probability that um, you're, let's say you're, you're, you're at the high on Thursday, right? And you're like, oh, what do I do? Should I just like risk it on, and hold it another day on Friday? Well, then you might want to take a look at the calendar. But as far as the statistics are concerned, perhaps the Thursday high is the high and mm -hmm. therefore you don't even need to hold it. But some days you're going sometimes you're going to be wrong, right? But, but you, we're, what we'll be able to do is identify real statistical edges if that was the time frame that we're looking at. And I think when, when you're trying to build an opening range, I think that we should think about, uh, here, here's a new word, you should think about the closing range. And we should be able to build around both of them and find what works best relative to our risk profile and our tolerance in order to max, ultimately to maximize the biggest gain relative to the capital outlay and then obviously to minimize the risk and then to discuss about how much active management is involved in that position. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. So, so we'll be able to work that out. We'll be able to work out all the numbers for this. And then once you have all the numbers behind it, it's not to say that you don't have the numbers, but I, I, what I'm saying is I, I think that 
you, you might have about 60 or 70% of the numbers in your mind. And the way that I use the big trade is I think about it like, um, do you watch sports, by the way? Yeah, yeah. Soccer, football. Okay. Um, at every sport, when you look at an athlete, I, what, what I do, ironically, statistics is very important in sports now, is mm. that once you understand their stats, their player stats, um, it allows you to watch the flow of the game much more effectively. And then by you memorizing all these statistics, because remember, there's about a 70, 80% correlation between stocks and the stock market. So if you isolate these stats and you do them even one time, and then you know what they are, then the same features and behavior will apply for almost every single stock. And mm -hmm. then you're really good. It's only a question about like how many cents is it going to go up? but you understand like, you know, perhaps like how much percent it will go up because the index will go up uh, X percent. So there's, there's going to be a lot of uh, relationships. And then once it, the statistics and the edges become so ingrained in your mind, then trading intraday or swing trading or weekly trading or trading to build an investment position all becomes intuitive. And I, I, don't, know, I don't know if that's in you yet, um, but that's the objective. It's like suddenly you'll be like, oh yeah, 75% is going to bring a new high today. Uh, and then you get into that next day and you're like, oh, okay. You know, opening range hit, there's going to be an 80% chance it's going to, um, achieve a new high because it passed the opening range. And then, oh, bam, there's like a 65, it just did a reversal. There's going to be a 65% chance. It's going to like reverse, I'm sorry, it's going to reverse after it just hit a bottom. Like once you know these stats and then you're looking mm. at, let's say a tick chart, minute chart, um, it will just flow so much more easily for you. It will um, allow you to make quick decisions and more than likely it will protect you. Mm. I, I don't know, are you there yet, by the way, or not? Probably not, right? Probably not, no. It sounds okay. too true right now. Uh, no, don't worry, because basically what we need to do in the book, I try to show it like that, though, eh? I try to basically create a spreadsheet that just had all the stats. And if you do all the stats for the index, you then just understand that all stocks look similar to that. In terms yeah, of all markets, actually. All market. Exactly. Exactly. So this, this application is so universal. Like, again, like at, at this duration, fundamentals with the demand side being totally eradicated, uh, as we've seen with the lockdowns, that mm -hmm. didn't even work. The only thing that worked at this period of time, arguably, was this approach. And, and the funny thing is that very few people are aware of that. And I find it so interesting that you reached out. And, and I like that so much that that's why like, I wanted to share to you. I typically don't really discuss about this that much because most of the mainstream media, they want to hear stories. Um, and I'm mm. fine. I can give people stories. Or people don't believe that one could actually just have the craziest advantage. Uh, did you ever see the movie Limitless, by the way? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, loved it. So, I, ironically, like, I think Bradley Cooper in that movie he, he says, he says to a lot of people like, yo, you know, I just worked out all the statistics. No one wants to believe him. They rather think mm -hmm. that his edge 
is based on like insider trading or some kind of like fix <laughs> in the market, as opposed to just saying, yo, I got this all figured out. You know, 2020 is easy peasy. And I know all the statistics. I caught you basically the historical top. I caught you the historical bottom. I'm basically buying all the stocks that I like. I now have positions in NVIDIA, Netflix. I bought like the NASDAQ. I'm in and out of the freaking NASDAQ. Um, and my win to loss ratio is like basically 90% wins, uh, rarely ever lose. I can't even really remember. I've only lost one time this year that I can really remember about. That's a US dollar position, which fundamentally probably will work for me very well later in this year. I, I haven't lost this year. I bought things like Boeing when people are like, get the hell out. That's up because I bought options with it up like 500%. Um, every little thing that I can think of. Uh, the, oh, the second greatest losses I've experienced is the range tradiness of gold, which implied that I didn't really lose anything because it really didn't really move anywhere. It's just like, I don't want dead money. That's why I closed it. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> um, so, so that that's the that you know we we need to get the audience, you know, people like you, which are you're because unlike other people, like it's unfortunate that you're on the sell side. People like you are really into it. You know, you sound like you put blood, sweat, and tears like me. Um, yes. There's a lot of people that aren't into it, and um, I find that to be so tragic. And that's why we need to, the great news is everything has changed. Um, we need Changed in terms of? Everything, right? <laughs> the economy, society. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the market, everything's changed. So well, the market's um, always changing, so that's a given. It's always changing besides what we're doing. Do you know why, by the way? No. Well... It's simple, basically. It's because you're only looking at the numbers here, right? Like a stock's got to open, it's got to close, it's mm. got to reach a high, it's got to reach a low. Um, that's not changing. Oh, and by the way, stocks are driven by supply and demand. And by the way, those bids and asks, those are all, all basically numbers too. Mm -hmm. Every other interpretation of the market has failed people, right? Like you can... When I think about fundamentals, I think about it like water molecules within the ocean. But the waves <laughs> in the ocean that you're experiencing, ironically, you're in Australia, so you'll appreciate this. And um, the waves appear to have their own like life, right? Like, for example, mm. why do we name hurricanes and typhoons after people? And why does, why does it feel like it's got its own life, a life of its own? Even though uh, meteorologists... Um, oceanographer a marine biologist is gonna, just going to tell you scientifically that hey this is just wind or this is just h2o but people make a profession off chasing tornadoes or understanding what's happening to waves and typhoons even though if you just break it down from matter standpoint that it's just you know water molecules um, H2O. That's the fundamentals. That's the balance sheet. The waves, which technicians try to understand using the incorrect tools, is what's important. 
And what we're doing is we're looking at the patterns of the water molecules that comprise the wave, which appears to have a life of its own, which is similar to market cycles and swings. Mm. And that's why what we look into is so fundamentally entrenched into the market. So there will always be, as you've seen with Corona, until the end of times, there will always be a stock market. The stock market will always be open, no matter what, as demonstrated this year, when people yeah. even consider shutting it down, but it's always yeah. going to be open. Well, yeah. everything else is shut down. And there will, remember, the market at that time was driven by nothing else besides price yeah. action. Yeah, exactly. Price action and what's happening in the market auction. And the tools that we have were the only thing that could measure it. Because some of the things that you were investing in trading weren't even operating. The only reason why they're listed in the stock market is because they have the fundamentals that qualify to list. But within that duration of a month or two, when basically more than half their business was shut down, mm -hmm. it was strictly price action. Yeah, absolutely. So, so take solace in the fact that if you want to understand the market, or you want to trade, or you want to invest in the market, where people, if you notice people like Warren Buffett are so flabbergasted by this time, he's like, I'm going to stay out. First off, he looked like a deer in the headlights by basically <laughs> yeah. doing nothing. And notice he said that I'm going to stay out of airlines for at least three years. I have no idea what direction it's going to go because he's fundamentally right. You have no idea what what flying and travel is going to be like for the next little while. That's for sure. But these stocks are moving. I'm not saying that we need to be trading those stocks, but I'm telling you that the only way to have captured um, these crazy moves in the airline business, not that I would be trading that, would have been our approach. Hmm. It's not going to be a Fibonacci. It's not going to be MACDs. All of those are wrong. They're not telling. They're, remember, they're just like the COVID model that is telling you that millions of people are going to die because they're trying to tell you the future. The big trade, this approach that I have, doesn't tell you the future. It only tells you permutations, possibilities. 60% here, 80% mm -hmm. chance here, 75% chance here. Mm -hmm. How well are you at amalgamating all of those probabilities in your favor to make the right decision. That's the only thing that this thing is helping you with. And everyone else, analysts are trying to give you price forecasts. Um, technicians are trying to use things like Elliott Wave and Fibonacci to give you price forecasts with their models. Mm -hmm. Same with the scientists that are telling you that the earth is gonna melt in about five years. And they've been saying that for like the last 50 years. <laughs> and the scientists that told you that millions of people are gonna die from COVID, their approach of trying to predict 
the future, either through discount cash flow models, um, net present value, all of that is out of the equation. The only thing that the pragmatists could have done is saying like, hey, like what's been the death rates? What's been the amount of people that have been affected? Um, and then what's the probability of the average person actually dying from this disease? The statistics are very low, actually. If you, I don't know if you noticed that, but it's very low. So therefore, that's kind of like our approach. Our approach is like, okay, you know, like there's a lot of craziness that's happening in the world. What's the probability it's going to go up 10 cents, you know? And, and is it even worthwhile trying to scalp that 10 cents? Is it better not to scalp for, say, 60 cents? Um, what's my downside here? I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that the market's going to go up like a thousand points. I'm not going to be the guy that says gold is going to go to $5,000. A lot of people say that I can barely get it to go up 10 bucks and the whole world can barely get it to go up 10 bucks. So how the heck is it going to get to 5,000? If that happens, our approach will be able to capture the trades that will turn into a swing trade that will ultimately turn into an investment that could lead to that trajectory of 5,000. And then we all win. Yeah, sounds good. So, okay, do me a favor. I think we're finished this conversation overall right now. So mm -hmm. do me a favor and unrecord. And then I want to talk to you about a few things off the line. Offline. Okay, let me pause it. Okay.